As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everybody, Stephen Schleicher. I'd like to welcome you to a special episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast, one that I think we're going to call Marketing 101. Now, a few weeks ago, I wrote an article about a small uh, small publishers and how they might be able to promote themselves through this tough economic times, and immediately after it posted, I got a call from Boom Studios Marketing and Sales Director Chip Mosher, who said, hey man, we need to do something. And he said, we need to get a hold of Shannon Wheeler. And Shannon Wheeler, if you don't know that name is the mind behind Too Much Coffee Man uh, that's appeared in newspapers, magazines, comic books. It's currently being released in graphic novel form from Dark Horse Comics, and there is the first omnibus edition that's going to be out real soon. Uh, Shannon is also a cartoonist for The New Yorker. So both of you, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. I, I guess, I mean, I don't know where to begin. I mean, it, it's really kind of cool to have you on the show, Shannon, because... Here you've gone from doing your own thing to having one of the world's first comic book operas ever created. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm pretty sure it is actually the, <laughs> it was the first. I do get, uh, that was the trailblazing on that one. Well, for, how, for you're not supposed to equivocate in marketing, Shannon. <laughs> it's, it's the first. So Come on. It's the first, yes. According to Wikipedia, absolutely, it is the first. So did you change? Did you just change that before you got on the podcast today? <laughs> no, I have other people do that for me. So Chip, as a marketing director and salesperson for Boom Studios, which is a really big up-and-coming publisher, what are things that that people need to be thinking about? Well, you know, I uh, I, I let me back up just a, a second and just talk sure. about one, one of the reasons why I wanted uh, I, I thought it would be cool to get Shannon on on a podcast and stuff is is I, I you know one of the main reasons is I've known Shannon for uh, oh Lord uh, almost twenty years now <laughs> and uh, and you know have uh, was living you know, very close to him, sometimes, you know, 10 to 20 feet uh, away from him <laughs> during, uh, during the time that, uh, too much coffee man was really, uh, hitting big and, you know, I've really seen Shannon's career progress. And I, I think he is, uh, he's a great case study for how to do indie comics marketing, right. Okay. Um, and I really think, you know, he was really on the web, you know, before all the uh, webcomic stuff has hit in the last couple of years. And I really thought it would just be fun to get him and I and you together and talking about, you know, what, what people can do, you know, marketing indie comic books, especially, you know, as Diamond has uh, increased the benchmark for independent comic books. Right. You know, mar marketing has become you know just that much more important, and I think marketing's uh, one of the things that is given, you know, it's just given short shrift, you know, in comic books in general, mm -hmm. and uh, and it, you know, it it is really important. It's something that retailers you know complain about that publishers don't do, and and uh, you know, and with that, you know, without it, you. You're just, you know, there's just such a high signal to noise ratio. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of noise out there, and and you really have to, you know, really, you know, get out there and bang the drums to uh, to to be heard and to get demand for your books. And so, you know, I just thought it'd be great to get Shannon on there and to talk about what he's done over the last 20 years, and and from you know his days of being a uh, mini comics guy. 
um, back in the early 90s to, uh, you know, uh, doing cartoons for The New Yorker, uh, you know, 18 years later, uh, which I, I think is a, a phenomenal career trajectory for an independent comic book artist. It certainly is. And I'm sure Shannon's face oh, is, Shannon? is, all, How'd I do? is all red. And, <laughs> that was and, great. Uh, the, the check is in the mail. So, so <laughs> yeah. Shannon, maybe you can start us off then. How did you first, if you're doing these mini comics, were you photocopying themselves and taking them to conventions? How were you first starting to promote Too Much Coffee Man? Well, I mean, actually, Too Much Coffee Man started as promotion for another book where I had a little uh, $5 book that I was selling uh, that through, through uh, Blackbird Comics, mm-hmm. and that was a collection of newspaper strips that I'd done, and I thought, okay, here's a $5 book. Um, what I need to do is sell something for a quarter or 75 cents, um, and then and then people will read that. And I'm at a comic book convention, and I, so I thought, oh, I need sort of a comic book character, and and then they'll read this little thing, this little comic book, and then they'll come back and buy my book. Uh, and um, and it's sort of it sort of worked, um, but that's that's how too much comment started. I mean, except that people would read the, the mini-comic of Too Much Coffee Man, the first one, and mm-hmm. go, oh, this is great, and then come back and, and I'd say, oh, well, here's the book, and they'd say, oh, it's Too Much Coffee Man. Is this a Too Much Coffee Man book? And I would say, no, but it's the same, it's the same humor. It's the same stuff, um, same ideas. You know? um, and they'd say, oh, well, when you get a Too Much Coffee Man book, then I'll, I'll buy that. Oh, yeah. And, and so that's when... And thus the bane of your existence started. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's, you know, definitely one of those things I can't complain about too much. or I can complain, but I just seem like an ass. Um, but, I, I mean, one of the things I remember, you know, because I, I was living down the street from you in Austin, and, you know, I... You know your your house. You have that cool uh, dance. You know, turn of the century, nineteenth, nineteen hundreds, like dance studio. Yeah, it's all open spaced. What? Yeah, eighteen ninety actually. Yeah, eighteen ninety. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. You had the wood stove and stuff, and it became sort of a focal point for for a lot of the comic book uh, creators in town. And everyone would hang at your house. And I just remember you you know, once you got several of those mini comics out, you busted ass and would get on your bike and go to all the local stores in town and get them to carry your mini comic. And then you grew up in Berkeley and you were going back and forth from Austin and Berkeley and did the same thing in Berkeley. And you did that for a year and I couldn't go anywhere in Austin without seeing the mini comic. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I really hustled it. Um, I was photocopying them off originally, the mini comics, because those were selling like hotcakes. And then at some point, I couldn't photocopy them. Any, it was just a, a nightmare of photocopying. Um, so I talked to a printer. I'd been working for uh, a local printer who was mostly a poster artist printer, and he said, "Oh yeah, we could do up. You know, let's we, we could do a, a run of two thousand of these, or uh, you know, three thousand, or blah blah blah." And, and um, I said, great. So what that meant, doing a run of 2,000, because of the size of the paper, it actually meant doing a run of, um, of 10,000. Wow. Because they were four up. Um, did you have to staple so those, or did he staple them? Well, he was originally going to staple them, and he said uh, that it would be a lot cheaper if I stapled them. <laughs> and so I, I, think I, I, think I, remember, I think I remember stapling quite a few over at your place. Yeah, the, so the first run of ten thousand, I, I stapled, and whoever would come over and you know I'd try to get them to staple as well, sitting there with long reach manual staplers, and uh, it was a nightmare. And I swore I I'd never this do white it again. fence. It's so much fun. <laughs> and then we sold. I sold out of those. You know, like that was uh, the ten thousand run, and so I did a second printing of twelve thousand, and uh, and. Yeah, I've sold out of those as well since. But yeah, it was a nightmare. But yeah, to save you know fifty bucks, I stapled, or got my friends to staple too. You know, all you know twenty two thousand of them. Well, how do you go about then going from comic book store to comic book store, especially in the nineties, early nineties, going to these? Oh, uh, oh, he wasn't going to comic book stores. Oh, okay. Where were you going? He was going to every shop. Oh, in town. Okay. <laughs> yeah, any, any place because they they 
they were a comic book, so I'd hit a comic book store, but then I'd also go to a bookstore. I'd also go to coffee shops. Um, I'd also go to any sort of knickknack shop, that, like a card shop or something like that, just any place I thought could sell it. And, and they were really cheap to make, and then so I just thought, okay, there's a lost leader. Um, you know, it's just an investment. Um, you know, so even if, even if it's on consignment and I never get paid, it's still... But it was really important to me. It wasn't just promotion. It was like that they were being sold gave them a value as opposed to, oh, let's just put this free thing out. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you, um, pitch, you how put, do you pitch the store owner and say, can I put my product here? When maybe, again, a comic book shop is probably at that time only interested in Marvel, DC, and Image, maybe Dark Horse. Um, well, uh, yeah, in Berkeley, the, the shop there, they're very, very supportive of, of mini comics and mm-hmm. independent stuff. And then it's just a matter of becoming friends with the people that own and run the shop and just say, you know, they, then they're sympathetic and they, they want to help you out as a person. And mm-hmm. so they'll sell your stuff. Um, and then it's really apparent, too, when they don't want to help you because they take your stuff and they put it in some crappy location. Um, it's, a, it's a lot to do with placement and stuff. So, Like where would, it, you, put yeah, it, where would you put it in, in these stores or where would you hope that they were putting it? Right next to the I cash make, register? I would hand make yeah that would that's the ideal place because because they're tiny so they're easy to steal so the <laughs> shop owner if they're buying them would have to put it kind of within eyesight mm. and then I would I would make a little stand for for them as well um, just hand make a little thing and say okay here you know here's a seventy five cent um, and it was novel enough too that they were I got a lot of support I I remember in I remember yeah it was it was awesome and I I remember in it must have been yeah 93 like the winter of 93 i remember like that i went to like you know just hanging out with new friends that i've met at college and going to you know their places or whatever and they they all had the too much coffee man mini comic and these weren't <laughs> these weren't comic book readers you know it had and, a crossover uh, appeal i mean that was i really lucked yeah. out um the you know, Dan Sato called it uh, lightning in a bottle and yeah, it was just lucky. I mean, it was a nice. Well, you know, the thing about you know the the way I always define luck is is when uh, when uh, um, experience uh, meets opportunity, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think yeah, I think you had thing. a lot. Like, yeah, too much coffee man was kind of the end product of I had done maybe eight or ten mini comics before that just were not selling. And I'd also done uh, comic strips, and I was in the newspaper at the same time as Chris Ware and Robert Rodriguez and um, a bunch of other people that were really good. And so I would do a comic strip, and I would meet people and say, oh, which comic strip do you do? And I'd try to explain it. And then they would say, oh, yeah, I think I know the talking dog. Yeah, I think I – so I would, I would keep shifting the characters around until I found something that was iconic enough. So they go, oh, yeah, the guy with the coffee mug head. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, and so it was just testing and playing with ideas until, until I found something that was like, okay, this is, people like this. And, well, what do you think is the appeal behind Too Much Coffee Man? Why was it such a big success in Berkeley and in Austin and then later everywhere else? I, it, was, it was before the big coffee wave hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was a little bit ahead of the curve on that. Um, it's irreverent. Um, and at the time, there's just so much serious stuff being put out that, that it was a nice counterpoint to this really grim, serious, you know. And then there's a lot of uh, autobiographical stuff, and I was making fun of that, too. So it was kind of a counterpoint to that. Um, it's friendly um, and accessible, so... It isn't. It isn't basing humor or a character on violence or sex. Mm-hmm. It's something that is. It's still sort of edgy, but it's not going to be offensive to. You, know, you can give it to your kid. I think. I think you know. I use some swear words in there or something, but that's right. that's relatively inoffensive. Well, um, well, then how did you and how did you and Chip meet up? Did did Chip just run into you at a at a store one day when you came we in met, with a delivery? We met at or? the Dallas Fantasy Fair, summer of 1990. How do you remember that? Because <laughs> <laughs> my mind is like a steel trap, Wheeler, and I know everything about you. 
And I keep I it in a little black book. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, since you have such no, a... Uh, uh, one of my... One of, uh, uh, when I was 13, I was at a comic book convention and met Bill Willingham, and sitting next to Bill was uh, Martin Thomas, who colored my comic book, Left on Mission, uh, mm-hmm. nearly, uh, tr- nearly 20 years later. Uh, and... Um, and Martin had moved from Houston to uh, to Austin, and so by the time I went to college in Austin, uh, he, Martin, and Shannon were uh, were hanging out. And Martin actually colored all the Too Much Coffee Man comic book covers. Okay. Yeah. So uh, just networking through the comic book scene. But then you started working, or did you volunteer, or did you, or did you start working uh, for Shannon to help promote and sell Too Much Coffee Man? Uh, y- you know, we were hanging out all the time, and so you know, you know, just uh, just naturally, you know, Shane and I would go out and have some beers, and uh, you know, knock ideas back and forth, and you know, I would, you know, I think I think I wrote a couple of press releases, you know, we knocked them back and forth every once in a while, and you know, and and there were some. Uh, I would I would say we co-opted Chip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know. Um, Oh, but one of the things I want to I want to jump into, because um, I I hope most of the listeners are are familiar with uh, with too much coffee man. Maybe right. they're not. I think right. too, I think too much coffee man is ubiquitous now. Well, if they're not, <laughs> they're, if there's not, like I said, there's that uh, omnibus coming out. What is it? May yes. May from Dark Horse Comics, four hundred pages. Yeah. This, well, actually, we'll have it this. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have it with this San Diego. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and that's kind of the big yeah. release. But it's 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 in this month's solicitations. Orders are due from retailers next Tuesday. Yeah. So if you want it, get it in by March 31st. Yep. Um anyway, um the the, the one thing that, that that Shannon jumped into was doing a lot of merchandise mm-hmm. early on. And you had Shannon, you did the coffee mugs that then you sold at the same shops, right? Yeah. And yeah. And you yeah, did toilet mugs. paper. You did uh-huh. the toilet paper, and then you started doing the T-shirts, which which then he built upon all these relationships. And and what what I what I find, you know, the the three things the three things that you know that I think you need to have to to do good marketing is is a you you need to be aggressive, um, and uh, and you, you just need to you just need to get out there and and keep on pounding the pavement. And I think the second thing is you need to be uh you need to be a little uh, a little shameless uh <laughs> with your aggressiveness because i i think what 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 tr- what trips most people up is is they think that they're being too aggressive when mm-hmm. they're they're usually not being aggressive enough because there's such a high s- signal to noise ratio that just getting through to people is so hard that what you think is, you know, what you think may be too much of a pitch or, or whatever, you know, for the, on the other side, isn't going to come through, you know? And so I, I think that's, a, that's another, another key element. And then, and then the third thing, and, and I think, I think Shannon, uh, Shannon did this really well and got a lot of crap for it, which, which I find infinitely interesting is I, I, I you can't worry about people thinking that you're cool. And I think, yeah. I think a, a lot of people, you know, are, are, are really have a lot invested in people thinking that they're cool and that stops them from doing uh, a good marketing. Now, now there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a, a line of cheese that you, that you may not, that may not go with a product. You know, you don't want to cause any cognitive distance with your, with your product. So if you have like a serious, like, like I did left on mission, which was a fairly serious, you know, serious, um, espionage book. And, uh, when the book came out, I was, I was, uh, when the graphic novel came out, I, I came up with this marketing idea. I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll have this photo contest where people can dress up in the car. You know, and I was just like, wow, that is so not the book, and that's such a bad idea mm-hmm. because it because it just doesn't go with the theme of the book, you know. And uh, and I can't believe I, I I even let people know that I was thinking about doing that. <laughs> well, with every, with every goes, good there, idea, there's bad ideas, and you know that's yeah. just the way it goes. But um. When, yeah. But I think I think with with Shannon with, with Shannon is he was he started to do all these products 
that supported the comic book. And, and before, you know, one of the things that's really big now with all the web comics people is they're all doing products and they're seeing that the product revenue stream as the thing that is, is making them the money. And there was a big kerfuffle on the internet about, you know, about right. 30 seconds ago right. about, you know, Hey, I'm a comic book artist. I'm not a, I'm not a merchandiser. And, and someone pointed out that, you, you know, that Charles Schultz made more money off of all his merchandise than he ever did doing the comic strip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no one thinks less of Charles Schultz, but I think there's this thing where um, until you get to that Charles Schultz level, you know, people look down on you, at least in the nineties, people look down on you if you had merchandise. And I remember a, a lot of like the two cool, two cools for school indie crowd, that I knew would always go, Oh yeah. You know, Shannon, he's really great with that merchandise. Well, yeah, it was a, you know, a total backhanded compliment. Yeah, completely. And, and I, and I thought it was, I thought it was to Shannon's credit that, that instead of, instead of going, Oh, these guys don't think I'm cool anymore. And I, I'm not going to do this. He doubled down and did even more merchandise. So where and, did the and, idea of and, merchandising and, and, come from? Why, why did you just say, Hey, here comes toilet paper. Here comes coffee mugs. I, I liked it. I mean, I, it, it genuinely, I thought it was funny. Um, and then what I would do, I, I would, with each piece of merchandise, the, the, the rule of thumb that I have or had and still have on, on merchandise is that I want it to be this independent product. So if I'm doing a mug, it isn't, I'm not trying to do it as a advertisement for the comic book. I'm trying to make a cool coffee mug mm-hmm. um, or a t-shirt that is, just legitimately an interesting T-shirt. Um, the, the the downside to that is that people will pick up the merchandise and never have read the comic book, and so they'll they'll say, "Oh yeah, I have that coffee mug. I I didn't know it was a uh, comic book too." And but I don't know. I, that's that's just another one of those things that you can't really complain about when you get right down to it. Do you have a, a business, a, a marketing background? I think don't isn't yours more in art and communication? Architecture. architecture. You went to architecture school, Wheeler. <laughs> you see, Berkeley. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, then that's just kind of um, cool. Then that you've come up with this idea of why don't we marry my product with merchandise, or at least have them complement one another, and make that a huge success at a time when you're right, uh, Chip. Most people were kind of turning their noses up at the idea. Yeah, and I think most people have turned their noses up to merchandise until very recently, and I think Slave Labor Graphics has done a really good job doing a lot of tchotchkes and stuff like that, <clears throat> and I think, uh, I, think, I think it's becoming more, more um, you know, more, much, much, much more accepted than it was, you know, yeah. back then. Well, as the economics get tight. I mean, it was just, it was, it, when I was starting it, just thinking, how do I make a living off of this? And I'm going to invest 200 or $300 into producing coffee mugs. How do I make that not lose money for me? And so I'd always try to approach each little, you know, piece of crap thing that I was doing is, is like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get a job. <laughs> and so <laughs> how do I do that so that I don't have to um, work? Was there a was there a tight timeline on all of this? Uh, was it like the mini comics were coming out, you were getting them into other places, and then almost right away you had merchandise, or was this a multi step, multi year process? It was all about the same time. It okay, was, it was like oh mini comics. Oh, let's just do coffee mugs at the same time. Um, yeah, because what it, you came up the first mini comic was like in ninety three, right? Yeah, maybe even earlier, actually. Probably, yeah, 90, yeah, 93. End of 92, 93, yeah. 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 And, then, and, then, and then you did, a, you did three, what, was it three or four mini-comics? Uh, four mini-comics. Um, and, and, then, then, and, then, and then you that. did, I think the coffee mugs were, was just sort of a no-brainer for you. And then, yeah. and then the T-shirts. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then you, you started, you started building relationships with these vendors that did this stuff and you'd get these catalogs and you're like, Oh, I could do toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Wayne, uh, Wayne Brenner. No, what was that guy's name? Uh, it was basically just a, a catalog guy and, and he would have weird stuff and I would tell him, I'd call him up and chat with him, some guy in the Midwest. 
and just say, you know, hey, what are the weirder things that you have? And he would say, well, you know, I got sponges. Are you interested in sponges? And I'm like, yeah, I love sponges. Oh, yeah, I remember the sponges. Yeah. That was funny. (laughs) The deck of cards I did. I mean, it was just, it was like, okay, here, you know, whatever, whatever weird thing that would come, come in front of me. I was like, oh, okay, you know, what's, what's my investment? 200 bucks. Okay, I can afford 200 bucks. And then I would just do it. Was there ever a concern? I mean, Chip said you kind of have to do it without worrying about what other people think. Did you ever go into the merchandising going, oh, my God, I hope I sell these things, or these things are going to be a real yeah. dud? That's, that's why that's, – like the toilet paper is harder to sell, um, but that's why I would only do merchandise that I really wanted around me. Like toilet paper, I figured I could always use that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't sell it, then I have <laughs> you it. Can Coffee mug, right. same thing. Well, it's, it's, then it's, you have the most expensive toilet paper <laughs> in the world. <laughs> There's no toilet paper too expensive when you need it, let me tell you. It, it seems like the webcomic creators and, and maybe some other smaller creators, the things that they are putting out seem to be collected trades of their content, T-shirts, right. and maybe original art sometimes. Do right. creators need to be looking for other things besides T-shirts and plushies and and collected trades? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the toilet paper that was um, objectively le- less of a sales item than the other stuff, it still had cachet to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at comic book conventions, people would see a giant mound of toilet paper and come over to check it out <laughs> and then buy other stuff. So it acted. And if people haven't seen the toilet paper, you have a design on the actual paper throughout the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that you're in and, and part, I was kind of curious what it would be like to wipe my butt with my own art. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, this is going to be funny, you know, <laughs> and then I, you know, doing it, I'm like, this is really kind of weird. I, I don't know. How I feel about it, but um, Wheeler's all about the all about the secondary impact of the joke. It's toilet paper. Oh, but I'm wiping my ass with my own art. Yeah, it's always a secondary thing with you. It's always yeah, well, a secondary yeah. thing. I like I like layers to you know everything has its layers. It's, it's never what it seems. So, um, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that that was an exciting time, and, and I'm really, you know, I just got back from WonderCon, <laughs> excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, and I, there was a couple of booths, and I, I wish I remembered the person's name, you know, they give him a shout-out, but the guy had little toys, he had these really cool books, he had incredible t-shirts, he had hoodies, you know, he just had a whole line around, you know, around what he was doing, he was a, a veritable P. Diddy of comic of indie comics. That was bad. Um, and um, but uh, well, but uh, with, with, yeah, I mean, that's like what products. Like, if you are doing T-shirts right now, everybody has T-shirts, and so that's really competitive. Sure. But if you want to do, he had like a backpack like that he did of his character, and some other so, uh, like plush. Uh, he had like. He had like fur covered, like, you know, coloring books, you know, of his stuff. You know, he just, he had this whole empire built around his work. And uh, it, it was just, it was just ingenious and, and funny. And, and it's, you know, I remember going to San Diego in, in 90, you know, 90, whatever. And, you know, you were one of the only, you know, you were one of the only like independent cartoonists with their own merchandise line. You know, yeah, and uh, and I, I, you know, I mean, I think I think Kitchen Sink, you know, for independent publishers at that time, I think Kitchen Sink was really, you know, Dennis was really breaking ground with the chocolate bars and stuff back oh, then. Those chocolate bars were great too. Another yeah. thing is to make sure you have quality, so that like he did chocolate yes. bars, but that was good chocolate. He didn't mess around. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. All the stuff that Dennis did was was awesome. Uh, but I just think it's gratifying that we've gone from a place in the early '90s where where people are dismissing you because you have merchandise, and right. to a place where where you know I go to New York Comic Con and I sit down to eat and you know the tables are too crowded and I find myself across from a bunch of web comics people, and you know and they're really into their comic book, but they're also thinking about their business model mm-hmm. and talking about their, you know, what kind of merchandise they're going to do. And, you know, and they're thinking about that, you know, and I think it's a real, uh, 
you know, a real maturation in, you know, in the whole indie comic scene. Well, let's, yeah. let's talk sure. conventions just really quickly. Obviously, if you're going to get out there and, and get your product known, you have to go to conventions. But how does an independent right. cartoonist decide which convention is best for, for him or her? I mean, obviously, San Diego is, is probably like this mecca of, of comic book marketing. But you would get so lost in the crowd with millions of people there. So how do you decide right. which ones are best yeah. for you? Well, well, uh, you know, the, you, the, well, like Shannon, you start going to you start going to San Diego years and years ago, and you get that 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 incredible table space right outside the front door. <laughs> I hate you, Wheeler. I wish I had that table. Yeah, that's that's taken some years of building up, and it is really competitive at San Diego. So for the cost, I don't even know if it's necessarily worth it, because there you're competing with. Um, you know, uh, uh, multimedia giants. You know, you're going in there and they're putting out the new X-Men movie, and it's it's very hard. To, you know, signal to noise, as Chip said, it's really hard to get above that din of um, everybody else's you know clamor. Um, something like the Ape is a lot is a lot better in ways. Um, or you know, Stumptown is great. That's uh, the one here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was just talking to Martin Thomas on the phone earlier today. Uh, he does a podcast now, League of uh, Ordinary Gentlemen, League of Ordinary Gentlemen, for his uh, his review movie review site, thespill dot uh, com, and, uh, and Martin had this podcast uh, of of going to Staple in Austin, and that seemed like a great place to go to. I mean, yeah, if I was an indie comics creator right now, I would I would pick the 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 bigger regional shows and build my audience that way before, you know, before I, I, you know, I would attempt San Diego or New York or a WonderCon or anything like that. New York, New York is not, is, is not so overly humongous where I think, you know, it's too much at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think uh, I think when Reed moves into uh, Chicago in October of 2010, that'll be a, a definitely a good show. But you know, I I think I think you know with San Diego, you know, I think you'd want to build something you know up and before you would premiere it there because you're 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 com- you're competing with other big big company premieres and it's just hard where you could have the biggest. You could have the biggest premiere, you know, in Staple or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, or you could do something crazy at Heroes or you could do something great at WonderCon or you could do something great at Baltimore, you know, or Ape or SPX, you know, those shows, well, uh, would, you know, you could do something crazy. Would it be better then to focus on going to shows that specialize in indie comics and indie creators or would it be better to try to mix it up and try to get in some mainstream stuff as well. It's what do you think, Shannon? Well, what, what, what? Yeah, I, I, I do both, but it, it, it's kind of depressing to go to the mainstream shows for me because I go there and, and people walk by and just sort of glance at your stuff and just go, oh, it's not, this, it's not Avengers. Yeah, it doesn't so have Wolverine on, on the cover. Right, and so that's, that's tough emotionally, but it's really good because then you're an alternative to all the stuff that's there. Um, it, and so that's, that's the minus is that people aren't really looking for your type of stuff. Um, the plus is that you can stand out. And so that all the, um, the parents of the kids where the parents bring the kids, they're like, they'll get hooked. I mean, I, having too much coffee, man, as a character, parents will look at it and just go, Oh, this is interesting and pick it up. Um, well, I, well look, with, with yeah, with 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 too much coffee, man. You know, you're you're superhero adjacent, at least. Right. You know, and, so going and, to a and that was get, yeah, that was real deliberate in terms of yeah, just marketing. Where I thought I I want to have a character that is appealing to people. Oh, and you got and you got and you got total crap from the indie crowd for that too. Yeah, for sure, because I was pandering. You know, or yeah. trying to sell comics yeah. as opposed to drawing sort of an unattractive version of myself and putting that on the cover. Yeah, well, that kind of brings up a, a book. About... That kind of brings up a good topic. You know, you're ideally out there 
to sell your your creation, right? So you're going to have to market. I mean, that's the whole the whole thing. I mean, if you're just creating for an audience of one or two, is it worthwhile? I I don't think so. I've never been interested in doing anything that doesn't have an audience. But again, that's that's very anti-art because if you're producing art, then you should be able to do something in the abstract that nobody ever sees and it's still you know, high art. That, mm-hmm. That's always annoyed me. I, I hate high art. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've never been enamored of, of the attitude of, you know, going to a convention and setting up and then acting like you, you don't care whether people buy your stuff. And, you know, obviously you went to a convention, you bought the table, you printed out your comic books, and, and you obviously do give a give a hoot. But I, I think that that's wrapped in a lot of... Uh, you know, just people being uh, insecure about about their art, and you know, as, as someone who sat down for you know, sat their chair in a button and, and written a script and stuff, you know, I'm always bummed out when I don't sell enough of my trades at the conventions. You know, it's, it's and so I I, I I I I get that, but, uh, but you yeah, you know, I, too. I mean, yeah, I I, I think I think you do. I think you do. And then early on, you were you did these one-page strips uh, in uh, in the newspaper in Austin, in the Austin American Statesman, for that excellent supplement. And then you started putting those the pages up, like you know, once you got a year done, you started putting them up yeah. like a page a week on your website. And this was, you know, sort of five to six years before the whole page a day craze. In, uh, in, right. in web comics started and uh, and People that really grew. There, saying you know oh don't don't put your content up for free on online because then they'll never buy it and I just thought well this is going to hit you know a, a new audience it's going to um, it's going to hook readers and people that wouldn't buy it probably wouldn't have bought it anyways and then um, and then I figured that it would be compensated by people that you know, getting a new group of people that would buy stuff or maybe they would read the comics and then end up buying a coffee mug online. So I'd make my money um, just through the ancillary product. Which is basically the, the web comic, you know, um, the paradigm, the yeah, business the model. model. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I, I also think, think that that's, you know, I, I think Shannon was doing a lot of really innovative stuff in the nineties and, uh, you know, uh, and then you were publishing the Too Much Coffee Man comic book and also anthology called Jab. And the probably my one of the my favorite things that you did um, was uh, was during the whole variant craze uh, in comics in the mid 90s with Jab basically solicited as the uh, bullet hole cover. And yeah, yeah. when it was yeah, printed, we <laughs> go ahead, Shannon. Oh yeah, we just took every single comic book. We um, well, actually, I drove down with my truck down to uh, San Antonio where the printer was and picked up all three thousand comic books, drove them back to Austin, and then we had little groups of us that would drive out into the country, and we shot every single comic book. Um, and then there was the uh, the powder burn the powder burn variant because that was the top one, and you'd bag yeah, that one. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so because it, because the, <laughs> what, what was was it Ashley's twenty two? Was it Ashley um, Ashley? Who's twenty two? Was it? Uh, I think that was Aubrey's twenty two. And then we did the first fifteen hundred, oh. and then it started raining. Um, yeah, definitely. So I had. To I think I was there for the second batch. Oh, God. I did them in the garage of my of my printer because um, I was complaining to him and saying, "Hey, you know, we got to shoot these things, but it's raining." And he said, "Oh, just come do it in my garage." Oh man! And I, I, I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "He goes, oh, I've got a twenty-two. Just use this little, you know, here you go." And and um, I said, "Yeah, but what about your neighbors?" He goes, "Oh, it's just a twenty-two. It's a little <laughs> pop gun. We'll just." We'll put on the radio. It'll be fine. It's Texas. <laughs> it shouldn't bother anybody. And it did. Yeah. yeah amazing thing. Yeah. Like, wow. yeah. What's great is I looked for it on the internet, and and I, I found it. Uh, I think I found it on uh, on uh, mycomicshop.com, and it was like actual bullet hole. You know, <laughs> this has actually been shot. You know, each copy yeah. is different. And what was funny is every story in the comic book uh, had. It, you know, had uh, went around 
a bullet motif, you know, where the bullet hole was going through the middle of the story. So if we, we knew on the cover, like where to shoot the hole, so it would go through, you know, the right, you know, the right way. And so then, then, you know, so you turn the page the two, and there's a, a window breaking, you turn the page and yeah. the fire being blown out. Oh, wow. You turn the page and there's, um, I had a Elvis decanter being shot. I was going to have it be a Kennedy decanter, but oh, I thought man. that was bad taste. Well, then how, how um, well yeah. did that go over? That must have been, again, considering all the, you know, the, the Gen 13, 13 different variant covers that came out then, how well did this go yeah. over? Did people really say, wow, this is a different take on that? Yeah, it tripled our sales, um, but wow. more importantly, it got us press. And then I used that right as we were getting all the press for that. That's when I solicited Too Much Coffee Man number one. Ah. And so yeah. it kind of um, springboarded my my debut issue um and so i got to come out the gate with uh 10,000 sales on on a basically an unheard of comic book and and this but, is this is before this is before comic book resources and newsarama right. i mean this is when you know the you know you need to get into you know uh comic shop news and comics journal mm -hmm. and wizard telephone calls. You had to go two longs and a short to call on the party line. Yeah. Wheeler, you're killing me. Um, and uh, what, what else, what else was around there? Comic shop, the comic shop news. There yeah, was, was oh, CBG comics, comic, comic Well then how do yeah, you go about it? Uh, Chip, you said you did a couple press releases for too much coffee man and you know back then it, things were so different as far as marketing where you only had a couple of sources how easy was it then to get these publications to take notice of you uh, your title and say yeah, hey let's shoot a comic book was that was that the, was that the way to do it we said the dumbest gimmick ever i mean we were just like we're gonna be you know this is a stupid trend these little you know, gimmicks on the cover. So we're just going to out stupid everybody was our, you know, and that's how we sold it. We're wow. like, this is not, we didn't try to be cool. We didn't try to, you know, we're like, this is dumb. And this, and we are going to, we're going to be dumber than everybody else. And then we would, then we would just take a joke and drive it into the ground so that <laughs> not only would we sell the ones with 22s and we'd mark it up for the ones with powder burns, but we also had a, a, a nine millimeter, um, version that would sell for five bucks and then a, a 45 version that would sell for I don't know, seven bucks and a shotgun issue, which was guaranteed unreadable that we sold for 20 bucks. And that one came in a bag. <laughs> and how many of those did you sell? <laughs> I don't, I don't, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> but so then that got you, that got you attention. And then you said the next month you solicited uh, too much coffee man. Number one, how then did right. you go about getting into the distributors, how did you go about uh, getting into, was it still Diamond just then, or were we still talking three or four different distributors? Oh, it was eight or 12 different distributors. Okay. It was Diamond yeah. and Capital. But Diamond um, and Capital by then were the, were the two dominant players. And how oh, do you yeah, convince totally. them to carry your book? Yeah, certainly you have to it market a, to them. Um, that, was, that was just calling them up. Back then it was just uh, becoming buddies with your sales rep and saying, Hey, I've got this thing. And they'd say, okay, send us a cover. And you would, you would solicit something before you'd written or drawn a single page of the book. Mm -hmm. um, and then they would, they would throw the cover in there with a little bit of text. And then you'd say, Hey, could you please give us a spotlight or, or recommends or, you know, and if they're little, you know, guaranteed cool, cool cat, right. Cool cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cool cat. <laughs> I remember that. Um, Is that drawn by Daniel Klaus? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. You know, um, it was, then that was something that was very, very easy back then. And now I understand that you have to have three issues in the can um, before you even begin to talk to them, and they want to make sure that you're going to be steady. Yeah, well, the new the new benchmarks twenty. The, the, they won't cut a PO if you know the, the, if it they they don't a they don't want to carry the book unless it's it's going to reach a benchmark at 2,500 wholesale. Right. So how do you do that? And, do you just hope that it goes in there and hopefully 2,500 of the 100 and 200,000 well, people I, pick it up? 
I, I, I think obviously, you know, obviously right now, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a bummer to a, a lot of, a lot of people who are starting out as indie comic creators, you know, but I also think, you know, on the other hand, you know, every, every problem is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, uh, doing an independent comic book is probably, it's probably one of the most exciting times I've seen since, since the black and white explosion in the eighties. And the, 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 the ability to download a WordPress install and download the comic press plugin and start putting up your book, you know, uh, a page a day or three pages every week or five pages a week and promote it through, you know, online ads and going to the regional shows and selling t-shirts and doing whatever promotional ideas appropriate to your book, you know, you know, I think, you know, that ability is, uh, is, is pretty killer. Uh, Milton Gripe on ICV2, um, had an article with uh, Phil Folio and mm-hmm. Phil had a girl genius yep. as a print comic book. And then it went to the web mm-hmm. uh, and he stopped doing the print monthlies and he just went to the trades and his trade sales went off the roof. Yeah. And, you know, he has, you know, what do he say in the, in the article to uh, 270,000, um, 270,000 unique visitors. Yep. Uh, approximately. And, you know, his trade sales are, you know, I think his initial orders are, are 10% of that, you know, and which for a, a $15 trade or a $10 trade or whatever is, is, is pretty astounding, you know, so people are reading for it for free online and then going and, and seeking out the collection. And I think, I think, um, you know, if I was doing indie comics now, I would, that would totally be the route I would go. I, I mean, I would, I would, uh, I would definitely try to try to build a groundswell of support on the internet. And once you build in your audience, then you know, you can make that $2,500 benchmark. Mm-hmm. And we probably ought to cover yeah, that in a future episode where we talk specifically about, you know, web comics and doing that. But Shannon, you'd agree that would be the, a great way to go. Yeah. I mean, I, Absolutely, that's a, the the practical way. And then, if you just look at it in the abstract, and just basically what you're doing is this, what you're doing now is is the same thing that you that I was doing way back when of just defining your your core audience and defining not, not defining but but um, well, collecting we, them yeah. and and relying on them and just and that's what you're doing as a creator is you're you're reaching out to the people that like your stuff and you just ask them and you're just appreciative. You're saying, Hey, if you, could you please buy my stuff and I'll be really thankful when you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the same thing that people are doing now with web comics are saying, you know, Oh, here's my stuff. And please, when you have the opportunity, you know, throw five or 10 bucks my way so that I can keep doing this. Um, yeah. In principle, it's exactly the same, but the, 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 the ground always changes. I mean, that's, I was thinking about this, um, as Chip was talking about, about the web marketing. Um, when I was doing too much coffee man, number one, as I was putting that out, everybody was telling me that it was the worst time possible to put out a comic book. Oh yeah. Um, because they were saying that there are so many comics out that I was just going to be lost in the crowd. And everybody said, it's always the worst time. Exactly. Like every time, you know, like this year is the worst year ever to put out a independent comic because diamond is doing this. And because the web is that, and because, you know, it's always bad and everybody's always looking for an excuse not to do it. And really it's just a matter of, of jumping in and, and, yeah, you got to find an excuse to do it and, and, you know, and damn the torpedoes. Mm -hmm. What, what then, as we kind of wrap up here, what are some things or what's one or two things that you think people should be doing to help market their independent title that people are not doing? Something that, that is obvious that maybe people are missing out on. Well, one, I mean, titles, I, I look at some of the titles and you, you can overcome a bad title or sometimes a bad title becomes a good title because it's so odd and unique. But a lot of times I'll just read some of these, these titles and I'll just think, my God, I don't have any desire at all to check out that comic strip. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I mean, you're talking to the guy that did 
too much coffee man so i was <laughs> definitely trying to do something where i would get a chuckle out of the title you know i could have called it you know coffee shop blues and limited my audience by half right i think um and so i think in in this world right now yeah the title is even more important um and get a url that's that's not where you're not sitting there going uh city to city and you have to, but it's the number two and then an underscore and you know like yeah. just have something that you can actually say and people know um yeah and then and then in merchandise too don't do merchandise that is an advertisement have the advertisement for your comic be incidental to it being a good t-shirt like i don't want to wear a t-shirt that just has somebody's url on it that's right. just um right. offensive to me but if it's a cool drawing of a monkey, you know, I'll, I'll wear the hell out of that. All right. I know what my next T-shirt's going to be. Monkeys. <laughs> it's got to be a cool monkey, though, with a <laughs> symbol. I, I, just, I, I just think there's the, on, on the – if you can't figure out a, a cheap-to-free way to market your stuff on the Internet, then you're, uh, you're not working hard enough. Well, what are some examples that are cheap to free? What are some examples? Stephen, let, let's turn the tables. All right. Let's turn the tables. All right. So you run a site. Right. And uh, you have ads on your site. Yes, I do. So wh- why do you have ads on your site? Well, because I'm trying to generate a little income to keep the lights on another month. Okay. And, 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 and to generate income, what do you need? What do I need? I just need a space okay. for people to say, hey, there's, there's the space. And, of course, there needs to be a, an audience or traffic for people to come by and say, hey, I'm interested in what do I got to add up now. What do, you, what do you have to get? What do you, so you want to attract an audience. Yeah, I need, a, I need to have an audience built in. Great. And so what do you – and you have a comic book news site. Right. So what do you need to run to get well, that we audience? Need to, we need to run comic book news. So, so everyone is – yeah. Guess what? Stephen makes his money off running your news. <laughs> if you have news, give it to Stephen because he'll run it. Right, and it's, it's right? it turns around and makes and makes people money. You know, that's one of the things that there you go. is really interesting. And I don't know, and you know, I'd like to think that major spoilers is such a big deal. But when major f- spoilers first started, I went out to try to get uh, to publishers and saying, hey, send us your stuff. And I ran into this guy, Chip Mosher from Boom Studios. I'm like, hey, man, here's my little site. And he's like, hey, here's my stuff. Review it. Talk about it. Do whatever. And turns around, and we love the stuff coming from Boom. And so when stuff comes out, we're more than happy to run about it, or we're more than happy to to, uh, to read it and review it on the site. And I think Stephen's being too kind because I deluged him with stuff. <laughs> Every day it's another thing from Chip. Uh, but no, I mean that's kind of I think important. So if how many press releases did I do yesterday? Like oh, three or four, I think. Sorry. And that's not even close to what Marvel sends me. So uh, there you go. See, they, 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 there's the, there's a bar for me to hit if I can just get five press releases out a day. There you go. And, and so I think that oh. that's a big deal for for publishers or independent people to get out there. Find these sites that cater to your market and contact them. I mean, uh, there's another one, uh, uh, She Buccaneer from, I think it's Great Big Comics is the publisher of that. They just came out and said, hey, would you please, if you get a moment, just take a look at this and see what you think. And I reviewed it and put it up on the site. And, you know, I'm sure that that contributes to some sales, just like it does for Boom, just like it does for any other title that we review. Sure. Too no, much coffee I, I month. Just, Don't forget uh, too much coffee man omnibus coming out next month. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, a lot of people don't know that Ross, uh, Richie, well, the, the f- co-founder and publisher at boom. Um, he started out in the marketing department at Malibu, mm-hmm. uh, back in the nineties, you know, and, and I think, you know, he, he he more than most publishers out there realizes the the value of marketing and and I think you know he's been really uh 
been really kind in letting me sort of uh, wreak havoc, you know, uh, here at Boom uh, in the marketing. And it's just been uh, completely 100% supportive on all the things, you know, all the crazy schemes that, uh, that I come up with and that, you know, he and I both come up with and I take the ball and run with. And, you know, like doing the day and date release of the comic books, you know, online for free well, and in stores. Gonna, I was going to mention that because that is a prime example where, Shannon, you're saying everyone's poo-pooing you for merchandising. Everyone just came down on Boom saying, how could you release this right. comic book free online on the same day it's in the stores? It'll, we'll never sell these in our comic book shop. And it had the exact right. opposite effect. And, and uh, not, not, only, not only did it have the exact opposite effect in Northwind, but, you know, by the, by the end of the year, you know, you know we had, it, it, had a, it had an elevating effect on, on, on all our books. You know, right. uh, you know, really got it. Really got our brand out there in a way that 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 we hadn't been before. And you know, I and and so uh, so you know, it wasn't just that. You know, and having uh, having someone like Mark Wade as your editor in chief never hurts. Well, and, that's true too. You know, and and you have to. You, you know, you can't just be all marketing. You actually have to. You know, have a a product that people like that ha- that is of some substance. That doesn't mean it has to be serious, but you know, it, it can't be. You know, you know. I mean, you can only sell a pet rock for for so long. Um, you know, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm just. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm very excited to be in the position where I'm in, where I get to to uh, you know have a book like you know Mark Wade's Irredeemable and and come up with uh, a crazy you know campaign, the Mark Wade is Evil yes. campaign, and put up these ads everywhere that said Mark Wade is Evil that link to markwadeisevil.com and have no one know what the hell we're talking about right. for two weeks. Right. And then <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, they, I had an ad on your site. Yep. Uh, Shannon, and yeah, yeah. and uh, and that was fun, and uh, and uh, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone like realizes it's Mark Wade is evil. Mark Wade is irredeemable, mm-hmm. and and you know, and the buzz on the book was great, and the orders were high, and you know, it, it just it worked like a house on fire. You know, it was, and it was a hell of a lot of fun to do. You know, I was I was uh, I was doing some ad buys at you know, 11 o'clock at night with my laptop in my bed, my wife turns, you know, on a Saturday night, my wife turns to me and she's like, what are you, why are you working on a Saturday night? I'm like, yeah, I'm having fun. That's true. I'm going to sites and buying ads and putting Mark Wade is evil everywhere on the <laughs> internet. I'm having a good time, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that's the best kind of job. What about advertising have. in uh, wizard or other, other publications out there, Shannon, your thoughts on that? Uh, did you do? Uh, did you just, do any advertising for Too Much Coffee Man, or did you just let word of mouth and your own presence take care of that? Um, yes. <laughs> what I, everybody called it guerrilla marketing is what I did. I was too right. cheap. I mean, I was too cheap or too poor to buy ads in Wizard, and so then basically what you're doing is you're buying an ad by creating content for them to to talk about, like shooting a comic with a gun. Right. You're, you're getting them content, and so you're, you're still giving them something, and you're still paying for it, but you're, you know, you, it's just a different kind of um, exchange. Because um, you can do things that Marvel can't do mm-hmm. um, by just doing things that are funny or entertaining. Um, but, I mean, that's what I was thinking about with Chip when he's talking about his marketing, what he's done, and I've realized, like, this is what's really worked best for marketing. If you do want to market something, it's just it's a matter of making something interesting and funny and or we're good you know in some way so that you have to approach your marketing the same way that you approach your book and put some of the same thought into it creative thought mm-hmm. yeah because that's definitely and that's what people a lot of times just don't want to do or they're, they're they find it uh, you know advertising is um is a Crash. bad word yeah, yeah, and it is a little bit. I mean, it, absolutely, but it also is really fun and funny, and you can just put the same creativity in, uh, into that that you put into your book. Right, like it pays off. Well, I will. You yeah, know, I'll do, kinda... do, doing Mark doing Mark Wade is evil ads is you know, and and T-shirts. You know, 
I, I, I would never categorize that as crass. I, I thought that was just the funniest <laughs> thing. I, I, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to take full, I, I, I will take full credit for that campaign to, to the end of my day. I, that was the funniest thing that I've ever come up with. Well, especially when you can get Mark Wade himself wearing the shirt at a comic book store on, on, on comic book day when people are checking out. Yeah, no, that that was that was pretty awesome. That was that was pretty completely awesome. But yeah, I, I mean, I I think we, just a, just a, as a cut on ads. I I mean, uh, most of the major most of the major you know comic book news sites are you know are uh, are content driven, mm-hmm. and so you know I think as a as an indie creator coming up, you know I. It, you know, if they need content, and so right. you can give them content without paying for it, right? And more than likely, they're going to run it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's funny or good or interesting, yeah. Well, I, I, and, one I tip mean, that one tip that Chip did give me because I was using this uh, one advertising site. Chip said, "Hey, don't just put a generic ad out. If you're going right. to put an ad, it, make it something that's marketing a particular product, like irredeemable or uh, what was the one? What's the one with the little bear uh, chip?" Uh, oh, uh, uh, the oh, the Mister stuff. Mis- yeah, that that one. You know, make it have yeah. make it have something very specific in your ad, and make it funny, make it interesting, and you're going to have more people click through on that. And I've done that a, a little experiment myself in advertising the the podcast, where I've got a very generic uh, ad that doesn't get very many click throughs, but I run an ad that has a very sexy uh, woman on it, and I'm talking about uh, sex in comics. Holy crap! We almost tripled. Yeah. We tripled our downloads yeah, no, just from that. No, I remember. I saw your Stephen. I saw your first ad, and it was just you know, it was your logo. Right. And I was like, no one knows. No one, you know, no one who doesn't already know you is going to know what the hell Nature Spoilers. Right. Is. Right. 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 You know. And then, and then, you know, you and I talked, and then the next one was like, you know, you know, and I could tell. I was like, yeah, he got it. Right. You know, awesome. Right. right. And so these kind and of things. That'll be that'll be a five hundred dollar consultant fee, <laughs> Mister. Uh, as soon, soon as we make five hundred dollars, I'll be sure to send it your way. Uh, but really, it's it's just some of these okay, simple. Okay, okay, I'm cheap. A beer at San Diego, <laughs> which is about ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, so I guess kind of the point in this in this first episode that we've done is really there are some very simple things you can do, and certainly looking at at things like what Shannon has done and what Chip has done with Boom are things that people can start implementing right away. It's not anything that, that you have to think and ponder and, and waste a year of time trying to figure out how you're going to market your comic. Marketing's not that hard. Chip, do you have a marketing background? Is that your background? Absolutely not. I went to film school. Well, that's my background is television. And, and yeah. Shannon, you said yours was architecture. So here's three people that yeah. know nothing about marketing yet are giving you some good marketing ideas that have actually worked and are proven to work. So it's something to think about. Gentlemen, anything else you guys want to pitch or plug? So, yeah, everyone, uh, Shannon's stuff is uh, magnificent and funny as all get out. And if you have missed any of his stuff over the last – what years does the Omnibus include? 92 through <laughs> – Yeah, it's like the last 15 years of Too Much Coffee Man. It's, it's comprehensive. 15 years of Too Much Coffee Man. If you have only gotten one issue or two issues here and there and have not experienced the whole Too Much Coffee Man uh, au revoir, is that, is that how you pronounce Oeuvre. it? Did I do that right? Oeuvre, thank you. Uh, the uh, I, as someone who was there during the creation of all that craziness, uh, it, it's quite a uh, quite a sight to behold, all in one place. Wheeler sent me a, a PDF recently, and it, it was it brought back many memories and was very very funny. So definitely uh, definitely order it. Beyond uh, and, uh, beyond too much coffee, man, omnibus, and beyond the New Yorker, Shannon. Where else can people find your stuff? Um, Website, well, see, all the, that the, stuff. Funny times, um, yeah. My website of, of tmcm.com. I, I post a new cartoon there each week, of just my new weekly. Um, I'm still putting stuff out to alternative newspapers each week. Um, and then the Onion, uh, they just cut their cartoon page, but I was doing uh, weekly strips for them. Hopefully, that'll they'll there'll be enough of an uproar to bring back their comics page because that was that was a blast. Um, I just from mini comics to the New Yorker, <laughs> Shannon Wheeler, folks. A profile in success. Yeah, it can be done. If I can do it, anybody can do it. That's what I said. Any comic success story, right here. And Chip, where can people find out more about Boom Studios? 
and oh, what you guys have come Oh, just go to boom-studios.com, and we just launched boom-kids.com, yeah. which is our kids line. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, the Muppet Show comic book and The Incredibles, uh, Family Matters, number one in stores, and looked at uh, the reorder activity and realized it was all sold out wow. pretty much pretty much the day before the the books hit shelves. So we're really excited about that. And then April 1st, Irredeemable, Mark Wade's new uh, superhero books coming out, mm-hmm. and Cars number one. And we Farscape's gone to like second and third printings on one through three, and the fourth issue's coming out soon, coming out April 1st. And we got another Farscape series, and, and uh, Mark uh, Sable's Unthinkable is coming out in May. And we did a, a altered reality game this month with that, which we're just closing up, which has been fun. Uh, as of the promotion, and that book's going to be big. And Mark Wade's new book, The Unknowns, coming out. We got have so much stuff going on. I don't sleep. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you for this installment. Next time when we come back, let's uh, let's kind of pick up and talk some more advanced marketing because I'd like to hear more about uh, what you did, Chip, with uh, this promotion uh, that that just wrapped up, and Shannon, some of the things on how you jump from independent to being picked up by a bigger publisher. Yeah, yeah. We'll do. Uh, we'll do. A, so this concludes indie comics marketing 101. We'll do the two. What's 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 the next class called? Uh, uh, Shannon, advanced, advanced, <laughs> advanced comics marketing 201, 205. There you go. That, that would be like <laughs> 205. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Thank Sounds you good. so much. Awesome. All right, well, thank you. Appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the what a major spoiler What a major spoiler When you think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Stark raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a gang sign throwing soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.